Welcome to the Ruby Book Club podcast, where we read an hour of a Ruby book each week and dissect it with you. I'm Saran, developer and founder of Code Newbie. I'm Nadia, developer and director at Ignition Works. So today we're continuing with 99 Bottles by Sandy Metz and Katrina Owen. We're going to discuss sections 1.1.2, 1.1.3, and 1.1.4, which look at three more possible solutions to the 99 Bottles problem. These are called speculatively general, concretely abstract, and shameless green. And remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Ruby Book Club and check out rubybookclub.com to follow along. How did you find the reading this week, Zoran? I liked the reading a lot this week. I felt like it was a it was so good that they had us start by doing the coding ourselves and to you know the 30 minute exercise that we had to do. I felt like everything else made a lot more sense and really gave me an opportunity to engage with, which is a very different experience in the way most books approach it. So I got a lot out of the section. What about you? I love the way they characterize the case studies. Yeah. It's it's really cool to have f- also four. So normally when you look at examples in a book, there's maybe one example or two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But here are four examples, each given a really decent walkthrough. So you have a sense of the kind of things that you'll see. And it's likely that any code you'll look at will fit into one of those four buckets. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's just great having that that detailed case study approach I've really enjoyed going through each one and you know asking the questions of the code and it helps us to practice you know asking those questions when we we see code in the future yes one thing that I wish it did though is I wish that it you know those um I think it was it was four questions but then there were a couple other questions to consider as well I wish before dissecting it I was prompted to think about those questions I think that would have been a really good exercise because then I would have said huh how does this cover the domain and how does it so it's kind of on me to remember to do that and I kind of forgot (laughs) until the last sample but yeah I I really liked having all those examples to compare great so shall we look at speculatively general let's do it so if we just do a walkthrough of listing 1.2 we have the bottles class again and the first thing is that four lambdas are defined so we've got one called no more which then says lambda do, and it has an argument called verse. And then it, then you've got the, the lyrics essentially for when there are no more bottles of beer on the wall. Then you've got one called last one, which is the verse for when there's one bottle of beer on the wall. You've got one called penultimate, which I was very happy with for when there are two bottles of beer on the wall. And then you've got a default, lambda again you've got the verse argument and that interpolates in verse dot number and then bottles of beer on the wall so verse dot number bottles of beer on the wall verse dot number bottle of beers take one down pass it around verse dot number minus one bottle of beers on the wall and then there are a couple more methods song which calls the method verses that takes two arguments a finish and a start uh, and that maps and then prints out the relevant verse numbers and then we've got verse, which calls verse four number. And verse four number decides which of those four lambdas that I spoke about at the beginning you want to use. Um, and then there's a verse class, which is initialized with a number and one of those lambdas. And the other method in the verse class is text. And this calls the lambda taking itself as an argument. 
So when you went through this the first time before you got to Sandy and Katrina's inspection of this solution, what was your impression? It was just hard keeping track of all the verse, verses, verse four methods yeah. and then working out how they strung together to print the song. It was funny because the first, when I was reading the lambdas, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be really straightforward right. because I can see the four different types of verses. Yeah. But then when it was all the stitching it together bit, I was like, ah, where are all these things being passed around? Yeah. And now there's a verse class. So it was like, it was like, I can see the four like different versions of the verse so i thought it'd be straightforward but it just wasn't clear to me by the end of how they became came into the song yes and before introducing the actual solution sandy and katrina actually say this solution can't resist indulging in unnecessary complexity so immediately we were kind of prompted to expect it but just like you when i read the four lambdas i thought oh this isn't that bad and then i saw the deaf song and i said okay this is a song so that makes sense and then when I got to verses and then verse and then verse four and then the fact that there's a whole other verse class that's when I went oh lost it <laughs> totally lost it yeah and Sandy and Katrina do this really good breakdown of essentially sort of what I did but more clear <laughs> on what exactly is is going on and then they say so they, they do a long form description and then they do a summary paragraph and then they say, you can be forgiven if you suspe suspect that this is unduly complicated. Mm -hmm. It is. <laughs> yeah. And they actually say that the reason why they're detailing the solution is not so much so that we understand it. It's more so that we understand its complexity and we understand that it's okay that we don't understand it, which for me was very reassuring. I don't know if I read a book, technical or non-technical, where the author prompted me and made me feel better about the possibility that I may not be able to follow what happens next. And it was just nice to be able to read the next, I think it's three to four paragraphs. And instead of focusing on, do I understand every single line of code to focus instead on, okay, how are we doing on complexity? Is this getting clearer for me? Am I working really hard to follow it? You know, and being able to, to look more for the complexity of it more so than making sure I understand the solution itself. Yes. And I love how after that, they walk you through those questions that we spoke about before. And like you said, it would have been cool if they, if we were asked in advance, what do you think the answers to these questions are to make us think more critically about it? But it was really useful being walked through each one. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, how many verse variants are there? Yes, it's clear to see that there are four because we have four lambdas, three specific cases and a default case. And then you can work out from that that apart from the three specific cases, all the other verses are very similar, but switching on the number. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then it was, what is the rule to determine which verse should be sung next? And so in the no more lambda, we've got hard coded the 99 number implying you start from the beginning. And so... It was like, ah, oh, this is a really useful way to start thinking about evaluating code. What what are the key salient bits of information? Yeah, so when you mentioned that verse 99 follows verse 0, which is pointed out in number 4 with the question, what is the rule to determine which verse should be sung next? It prompted me to think about the fact that you and I are very comfortable with this problem because we know the song. It's a, a common song amongst our, you know, in our world, and we're very familiar with it. And so in that sense, we have that domain level expertise that would make this easier to understand and to unpack. But 
it made me think, huh, if I didn't know this song, if I've never heard of it before, how helpful is the code in helping me understand what world I'm working in, right? What, where, what is this song? What is this thing that we're doing? And with this solution, the breakdown of it, you know, helps in terms of finding out there's four different parts of the song and all that, but it definitely doesn't do a great job of calling out the order and specifically calling out the 99 would follow verse zero. Yes, yes, totally. And then if we think about those first half questions, apart from question four, it does pretty well. But then we move on to the questions about how difficult was it to write? How hard is it to understand? Mm. How expensive will it be to change? This is where it's not doing so well mm-hmm. anymore. So there's a lot of code there. As you could tell when I was going through the, the code run through, it felt like it was never ending. <laughs> you did pretty well. I was impressed. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's a good breakdown. Yeah, I was trying to be patient with it. I almost <laughs> gave up. I was like, this is so long. <laughs> um, and, you know, that would take time to write. And then even just explaining it, right, keeping track of all the verse and verses and verses four and the lambdas, it's not easy to understand. As we both said when we first finished reading it, it started seemingly simple, but by the end we were like, huh, how does this all piece Mm -hmm. together? And therefore, when we look at how expensive is it to change, if you struggle to have an understanding of it when you read it, then you're going to find it quite tricky to just dig in and start making changes. And... There's a point, there's a sentence here which says, you may feel compelled to understand its purpose before making changes. Mm. And, you know, it's this idea that indirection is misleading and can be extremely costly and because it has knock-on effects to preventing you from getting stuck in and changing the code. But it made me think of something you said last week, Saran, when you were like, oh, when you see clever code, Mm -hmm. when we were looking at incomprehensibly concise, you often think, oh, you know, that's, you know, a smart person probably wrote this and and I don't understand it. I have no business touching it. And it made me think of that kind mm-hmm. of thing where if you come across something that seems, you think the solution is simple, but then you see something that's more complex, rather than necessarily having the confidence to go, this is way, like, this is too complicated. I'm just going to, you know, rip it out and put in something way simpler. You're probably thinking, huh, there must be something I'm missing. Yeah. Even if you're not. It's just the, the other person's made it more complicated. And so it's about having that confidence as well to recognize when there is indirection Mm -hmm. and that it it needs an overhaul, which is scary in and of itself, right? Because that's a lot of change, particularly when you think, oh, someone more senior or smarter than me wrote this. Mm -hmm. Yes. And there is a line that I absolutely loved where Sandy and Katrina say, however, this very pleasure distracts the eye and seduces the mind and allows cleverness to worm its way into inappropriate places. And that's just, to me, just captures so much of what I said last week, you know, where it feels like, oh, this is this is a nice little magic trick they just did. But that type of cleverness is not appropriate here. <laughs> this is not the place for that. And they actually say, instead of trying to be clever for the sake of being clever, we need to accept the harder task of writing simple code. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that bit. Got it highlighted as well. Yeah. And I love this little bit here where it says, so neither speculatively general 1.2 or incomprehensibly concise 1.1 is the best. Maybe just like porridge in uh, Goldilocks, <laughs> the third solution will be just right. Mm-hmm. So, Saran, do you want to walk us through 1.1.3 concretely abstract? Oh boy, sure. <laughs> so, in concretely abstract, we start with a bottles class. And then our first method is called song. 
and there we are calling verses and we're passing in 99 and 0. Then we have our verses method where we are taking in the bottles at start and bottles at end. And then we're basically going through that range and connecting all the strings so that we can have our verses. And then we have a method called verse, so singular. And here we're passing in the bottles. And in bottles, we're calling a new class and we're making a new instance of that class. And that class is called round. And on initialize, it takes a argument called bottles and then does two string on it. So things are already getting interesting. So that's the end of our bottles class. And then we are introduced to our round class, which is interesting. I would not have thought of like a, a round class kind of off the top of my head. And so here we have an adder reader called bottles. We have our initialize method that takes bottles. And then we have a series of very, very small one line methods. We have one called 2s, which attaches our challenge and our response. We have a challenge method that takes something called bottles of beer, capitalizes it, adds a space, adds another method called on wall, concatenates that with a comma, concatenates that with a bottles of beer, then concatenates it with a line break. <laughs> so clearly trying to string all these little pieces together. And then we have a def response, which looks like it's doing a very similar thing. This time it's doing it with go to the store or take one down method, concatenating <laughs> that with a comma and then a bottles of beer and then an empty string and then an on wall and then another line break. So again, we're building the response. And then we have a method called bottles of beer where we're concatenating, again, more things. Um, and anglicized, is that how you say that mm -hmm. word? What does that word mean? I've never seen that word before. Anglicized is just making it like suitable for this, an English sentence, I think. Something more than that. Okay, cool. So it's just making the sentence make sense in context. Like in terms of pluralizing? Or capitalization? Well, because so if you look at the anglicized bottle count, so you've got all out, which mm -hmm. checks like, do you have zero or not? And then it gives you no more. Or if you have more bottles, then it calls to S. And so right. you get the sentence. So it's just giving you saying, based on the bottle count, here's like English sentence form. Okay, got it. So then we have our bottles of beer method where we're stringing together three things. We are getting the return for anglicized bottle count and pluralized bottle form and then the word of and then a method called beer. The method beer is very complicated. It returns a string called beer. And then we have another method called on wall, which returns a string on wall. By the way, we're about halfway, maybe two thirds of the way done with the solution. We have like eight more methods to go through. <laughs> so then we have we have method pluralized bottle form, where we ask the question, is it the last beer? If so, then return the string bottle. If not, return the string bottles. So we're doing some pluralization. Then we have that anglicized bottle count we mentioned earlier, and we're asking the question, are we all out? If we are, then we want to return the string no more. If we are not, then we want to return bottles and then call it 2s. Next, we have a little bit of a longer method called go to the store or take one down, which we also mentioned previously. And here we have a conditional that says, are we all out? If so, at bottles equals 99, and then we're going to buy new beer. Otherwise, we're going to set lyrics equal to drink beer at bottles. Then we have at bottles what is that symbol called? Do you know? It's the negative it's minus equals. equals. Yeah. Just minus equals. Okay. Where we're just subtracting one from our bottle's number and then we are uh, ending with lyrics. 
And then we have, I think we have like six more methods left. <laughs> and then we have Death by New Beer, which returns the string, go to the store and buy some more. Oh, that rhymes. Look at that. <laughs> and then we have Death Drink Beer, which returns the string, take, and then concatenates it or one. And then the string down and pass it around. And then we define it or one, which asks, are we on the last beer? If we are, then use the word it. If we are not, then use the word one. And then we have def all out, which basically says, you know, are we out of uh, bottles? So it asks bottles. It asks the question zero. And then we have def last beer, which also is our last method. And that basically says, is bottles equal equal one? Whew. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I think I need a break after that. <laughs> wow. Well done, Swan. Thank you. Thank you very much. I made your it. Patience, I made it through that. Your dedication, your determination. <laughs> so this solution is very interesting. And there were a number of things that stood out to me when I was looking at it. One is that it's made of just a lot of methods. Like, it's made of a lot of methods. Still only two classes. And we remember that our solution previously was also made of two classes. But our second class was way, way longer. So just lots of stuff going on. But that also means that all of the methods are pretty small. I think most of them are about one line. We have a couple that are two lines. And I think we only have one method that is more than yeah, we have two methods that are more than two lines. So overall, we're talking about small methods, just a lot of methods. When I finished reading this example, I was thinking, wait, how did you get the whole song from these tiny methods? <laughs> Where does it all come together? Yeah. And so, you know, when we look at the question, how many verse variants are there? The response that Andy and Katrina give us is, it's almost impossible to tell. <laughs> and then, which verses are most alike? Ditto. It's almost impossible to tell. Which verses mm -hmm. are most different? Ditto. It's impossible to tell. What is the rule to determine which verse should be sung next? Ditto. <laughs> it's impossible mm -hmm. to tell. You just really can't tell anything from this. Because it's so bitty, yeah. you can't get an overall picture. And it was one of those things where, when I was looking at it, I saw... I saw the small methods and I thought, oh, cool, small methods. That sounds like a good thing to do in general. But I was looking for the one place where it all came together, right? Like I was I was looking for in my mind some type of structure where it was, you know, a handful of the, the meaty methods, you know, the ones where you actually compose all the words and you can easily get a sense of what it is that we're doing. And then it would be a few smaller methods just to kind of help that out. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like when I read this, it was just a lot of small methods and there was no point where I saw, oh, that's where it comes together and becomes a song. It's interesting because I went to a talk of Sandy's a few, a couple of years ago, a few years ago. And in it, she talks about how one of the challenges when you're a newer programmer trying to get your head around object-oriented programming is getting used to the fact that you are dealing with these small usable components and it's not always clear. You have to have confidence in the code and if it's well tested that it does all come together and you won't necessarily get everything in your head. So, she, you know, she tells the story of how a junior developer came up to her and said, but when will it all make sense? And she said that's <laughs> when it hit her that it's this experienced and confident OO programmer that gets that it's fine that it doesn't all make sense as long as I, as long as I understand all the little bits. But I think, you know, as we're about to see with this one, this one 
goes too far and you know as I said it's the wrong abstractions and that's what that's Mm -hmm. why it looks like it's got the right intent of oh it's all small and stuff but it's not actually sliced it up in in a helpful way. So in writing all these little short methods that individually make a lot of sense but together don't really give us a very clear picture it's pretty obvious that this person who wrote this code is trying really hard to be dry right every single little sentence is pulled out into its own method so Mm -hmm. if we need to change one sentence we only need to change it in one place Mm -hmm. and generally that's a really good thing and it even says in the book that drying out code should save you money which is Mm -hmm. always a good thing Mm -hmm. but in doing it this way in in being really dry and having all these little methods we are deciding to not implement the behavior in the method itself and instead to point it to another method. And every time we create these little pointers, we are creating another level of indirection. Yes. And so that was a thing that I don't, I don't know if I fully understood before reading this section, right? Every time we're drawing things out, instead of just saying what we're trying to say, we're giving you a pointer to something else. And each pointer strung together creates this lack of a bigger picture, right? It makes it harder to see the bigger picture because we're just giving you a new place to go to. Yeah, and then you've, as a reader, the burden is on you to piece it all together in your head. Exactly. And that's super hard to do. Mm-hmm. And what you've just said, Saron, ties in really nicely with, with the part in the book where they discuss how the problem is, although the intent seems right with the small methods and it's completely dry, the methods that they've chosen represent the wrong abstraction. So, for example, there's a lot of focus on beer and in rather than a beverage, for example. And so if you need to change the code, that's going to actually be quite difficult to repurpose it. And also it's not looking at the general domain of the problem, but rather like the specific case. And that's why it's so tricky to to get that full picture. Yes. And speaking of the wrong abstractions, it sounds like it was very focused on getting the structure of the song correct, not the idea of the song. Yes, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so we go on to the fourth solution, Shameless Green. Mm-hmm. I love that name, by the way. Just just Shamelessly Green. Love it. Yes. Now, there was a bit in the intro to this section that I highlighted. And Sandy and Katrina say that looking at speculatively general and concretely abstract, so the two ones that we've discussed in this episode, they were both written with good intentions, the writers wanted to reduce future costs, try to focus on the right things, but these these intentions have failed. And the reason, I mean, if someone, if, if, if Sandy or Katrina had said, Nadia, why do you think they failed? I wouldn't have come up with this reason. But, mm-hmm. you know, when I read it, I was like, ah, oh, that makes so much sense. Uh, it says it's in, insufficient patience. And it was this mm. idea of trying to get to that great solution and trying to be like, aha, I know about dry and I know about, um, you know, these abstractions. And so I'm going to do it straight away. And it just hit me a lot because... I know from my experience coding, I, I've, you know, reading books like Puda and Confident Ruby and then pairing with more experienced developers, I always have my eye for, oh, this is this pattern or that thing and how can I implement it? You know, I think I said this in an earlier episode, like, is it now? Is it now? And, <laughs> and just not being like, just do the simplest thing to make the test pass. And what I think is really interesting 
is that when I sat down to do my 30 minute exercise in my head I said Nadia forget all the patterns it doesn't matter that you've just finished reading Confident Ruby and you now you know know better ways to write methods just get the tests to pass and get as many tests to pass as you can in the 30 minutes and so I found it incredibly interesting that the solution I came up with is very very similar to the one in Shameless Green. Good for you that's awesome. Mine was not. Mine was not close to shameless screen at all. <laughs> definitely not. Mine was definitely closer to the one before, 1.1.3. Yeah, mine was definitely... So I don't think I was far enough in my solution to really you know, know where it would have ended up, but the direction I was going in was definitely more on the concretely abstract. And I think that part of it was also when trying to get the test to pass, I was very focused on what is the technical difference between this sentence and the other sentence? This mm. sentence is plural. This one isn't. Yeah, and, get, and getting mm-hmm. kind of caught up in in the details of getting the words right and not remembering to take a step back and go, well, what is the overall point of this? So based on the test that I was trying to get past in the order that they were laid out, I think it made it just kind of easier for me to focus on like the the literal technical word choice differences and to not remember kind of the general point of this whole thing. So I was definitely going in more of the concretely abstract direction, for sure. Okay, cool. So looking at the shameless green listing, I think this is going to be easier than the previous two that we've run through today. So we've got bottles class. We have the song method, again, which calls verses with 99 and 0. We've got verses, which runs from 99 and 0 and strings together all the verses. And then we have a verse method, which is a case statement, which switches on number. When it's 0, we've got no more bottles of beer on the wall, no more bottles of beer, and then go to the store and buy some more, etc. When it's 1, we have the verse that starts with one bottle of beer on the wall, When it's two, we have the verse that starts with two bottles of beer on the wall. And then we have else, which is where we interpolate in number. So it's number bottles of beers on the ball. And that's the general solution. Nice. And so when I looked at this solution, one, like you said, it's it's very simple. There's only three methods. And one of them is this huge case statement that has four different cases. And well, okay, question. Does it count as four cases if one of the cases is an else? Yes. I guess it does, right? It's like the default case. Right, right. So it has four cases. And remember earlier when I was saying that when I was looking at 1.1.3, the concretely abstract example, and I saw all those little methods, I was expecting to get to a meaty method that kind of pulled it all together. Mm Mm-hmm. The case method is the kind of thing I was looking for, right? Mm -hmm. Because the first two methods, song and verses, they, they help you get the pieces together and they you know they're they're kind of assisting what you're trying to get done but the verse method that's really where the magic happens that's really where you see the song and you get a pretty clear picture of what's going on yes and the clarity is expressed in the answers to the questions now at this point i was very primed to be thinking about what the answers to the questions were Mm -hmm. and by this point it was easier to answer (laughs) right and so it's like yes we can see that there are four different versions of Mm -hmm. the verses and you know three to 99 are the same and zero one and two are different and again what's the rule to determine which should be sung next it's still not explicit but again the zero verse has 
you know, hard code in 99. And so you get to the end of question four and you're like, huh, I've read this earlier in the book. Mm-hmm. Because it's the same answers to speculatively general. Yeah. And so the real differences between shameless green and speculatively general come not from the first four questions, but from the three questions that we always ask second, right? Where we say, how difficult was it to write? It was actually pretty easy to write. How hard is it to understand? Pretty straightforward. How expensive will it be to change? It'll be cheap to change because we have really all the verses in one place. And even though some of them are duplicated, changing one and keeping the others in sync is not too bad because it's all in one case statement. Yeah, and so Sandy and Katrina say, Shameless Green is the best solution, yet almost no one writes it. It feels embarrassingly easy. And I highlighted that because... I remember when I was coding it, I felt very comfortable writing it when it was just me. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to make the test pass. And then I was like, oh, actually, this is really rubbish. This is really, this is really rubbish. Mm-hmm. And when you, 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 you said at one point, oh, maybe we'll put our code on the Ruby Book Club site. And I thought, no way. It's, it's so bad. <laughs> Nobody can see this. And so when I, it, it's true. You, you think this stuff. Because I've got, I don't have a case statement. Mine's different because I have an uh, if, I have a conditional statement, but it essentially mm-hmm. looks the same. And so, you know, it's funny to think, yes, this is what I was thinking. Like, how embarrassingly stupid is this code? I've been coding for a few years now, and this is what I'm writing to make tests pass. <laughs> and yet here is yeah. Andy Katrina saying it's the best way to approach it, at mm-hmm. least initially. Yeah, and it's interesting because it says that it's missing many qualities that you expect in good code. And so I'm wondering when you were writing it and looking at it and thinking, oh, this is so embarrassing, were there specific things about it that you didn't like or things that you wish you had that would have made it feel good? Yeah, so looking at it, all the, I've written out, it looks, if you look at it, it looks hacky, right? Because I'm like, if numbers two, then, and then I've written out the verse. (laughs) Else if numbers one, then I've got another verse. Else if number zero, and then I've got another verse. So it just looks like something hacked together and not, I haven't, it's not like there's someone up above that has, you know, put together a nice, neat solution that fits nicely. It seems very, like, hacky. And then when you think about the song and you think, this is a really straightforward song, I shouldn't have to be writing out these four slightly different versions of the same kind of thing. It just seems mm-hmm. like, oh, there must be a better way to do this than if you have two bottles, then write this. If you have one bottle, then write mm-hmm. that. So that's what I was thinking. And it's funny because when you were telling me your solution and you were like, oh, I had to capitalize and pluralize, I was thinking, why am I not as smart as Saron? <laughs> so it's funny because when I saw... When I saw the the direction the tests were going in and it said, well, what if you have, you know, zero bottles? What if you have one? What made me not want to do the case statement route and what made me go in like the pluralized, capitalized direction was wondering, oh my gosh, how many different versions are there going to be? You know, and just again, like not taking the time to take a step back and think holistically about, well, how many different verses would there be, right? I saw just that there were already three what if there's like 99 different ones, <laughs> you know, like there's going to be all, and I said, no, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't have 10 if else statements. I have to think of something, you know, not, that doesn't feel so hacky. But I think that if I had paused and thought about it and maybe you just even looked at all the specs, right, and not just done the one that I was doing and just taken a step back and took it all in, 
I think I would have realized that, oh, there's really only four versions. Well, in that case, a case statement's not that bad, right? And so again, having a better sense of the problem and the domain and being able to have a, a, some picture of that solution and those four questions that we ask really, really can help us decide what direction we want our code to go in. So you know how you said you were thinking, ah, what if there's 99? You obviously yeah. know there's not 99 because you know the song. Yeah. Yeah. However, again, go back to someone who's never heard this song before and they're like, mm -hmm. oh, you have to code this song. They might be thinking, oh, I've got to find an abstraction because I can't keep doing this. I was thinking of this event that I went to with Sandy and she said at the end of her talk, she said that it's way better to have code that's not dry than to make the wrong abstraction. And mm -hmm. so it's about that point of, even if you're unfamiliar, you're not sure how many different cases there are and you're worried about repeating, keep going until the right abstraction is just screaming at you rather than <laughs> trying to yeah preempt it and and so mm -hmm. yeah it, it, it's interesting if you're in that situation is having the confidence to think this is not quite right I'm duplicating a lot of things however I still don't quite have a full grasp of the domain and so I'm gonna keep going this way and then at some point mm -hmm. I have to trust that it's gonna become obvious the way I need to slice and dice this yeah and I think I have to I have to and, and it comes back to patience right which I believe we talked about a little bit earlier and just being patient with the code and being patient with yourself and not feeling the urgency to get it right and get the right abstraction as soon as possible and just taking your time with it, which is hard to do in 30 minutes, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, definitely, definitely making the wrong abstraction. It can be very expensive. So I'm really looking forward to the next section because then we're going to look at judging code and being able to really make those decisions about where code is heading, what you should do next, and how you can think about code based on opinion or facts. And so I'm really looking forward to digging in more into how we start to develop or cultivate that sense of making the right judgments. And so if we assume that the only point of doing this problem is just to you know, write the lyrics to 99 bottles of beer, then this is pretty much good enough and we don't really have to think about it too much. But of course, we know that we're using a very, very simple problem and trying to use it as a proxy for real complicated production level applications. And so in that context, how we abstract what we do next isn't very obvious. And just the fact that they say in the book, the proper course of action is not so clear, just makes me feel a lot better. And it reminds me that there are decisions that we actually have to make and questions we can ask to get to that next step. Right. And the next section that we're going to look at is all about judging code. So what are the sort of metrics and dimensions on which we can assess how good code is? And we look at things like opinion and fact and, and what, are the, what are the ways that we can start to cultivate this sense of judgment and then deciding what we should do next to write good quality code. So I'm really looking forward to digging into that side a bit more. So we want to know, what did your 99 bottle solution look like? Was it closest to speculatively general, concretely abstract, shameless green, or the very first solution we talked about, incomprehensibly concise. Tweet us your responses and maybe even some screenshots of your code to at RubyBookClub. And tell us about how you plan to use the takeaways from this episode in your next project. See you next week. Cheerio!